Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Feminization Boudoir Podcast. I am your host, Kylie Gable, and once again for the second week in a row, I am on my own. I hope to change that very soon. But um, we have the second part of Feminized Reunion by myself and Mindy Harris and read by Raina Means Queen. One thing about writing with Mindy, Mindy is really, really fast. She writes longer stories than I do, and that's partly because she writes them quicker than I do. And so um, this, these two parts are both about an hour apiece. Usually my stories are around 45 minutes. So because the story's longer, and I try to give you about half, uh, the clips are bigger. The other thing is um, I still try not to give you the best parts for free, but... I think you get some pretty good ones on here and a pretty good idea of what's happening. So hopefully you enjoyed the first part. I think Raina does an excellent job on the second part. Oh, man. Um, (laughs) Raina's a story. I'll probably talk to you about that after this clip. So here it is. Feminized Reunion Part 2 by myself and Mindy Harris and narrated by Raina Means Queen. Feminized Reunion 2 by Kylie Gable, Mindy Harris, and Claudia Acosta, narrated by Raina Means Queen. I don't want to be a total sadist here, said Casey, but you've only got one chance to accept our offer. We can play this any way you want, but I can promise you it'll be worse if you fight us. The secretaries here have seen only the G-rated pictures so far. We haven't shown them the R-rated ones yet, much less the very not-safe-for-work ones. Nathan's eyes grew wide at that point. He knew that this humiliating situation was already going to be nearly impossible to live down. He was terrified at the possibility that all of his secretaries and office girls could see the pictures and videos he knew Casey had. He cringed remembering some of the most emasculating situations from the Saturday night dances and makeout sessions in the backseat of her car. Even if he fired all of the women, some would inevitably get jobs with his competitors. And the rumors about him? Not to mention, many of the humiliating pictures and videos would spread throughout the industry. He obviously didn't want to be exposed as a sissy in front of all of his biggest rivals. So he nodded his head vigorously, accepting Casey's humiliating terms. However, as soon as the gag was out, he began whining and pleading for the girls to let him go, alternating between threats and bribery. This was more than Marisol could tolerate, so she threw him over her lap and began to spank his behind. If there was any thought in Nathan's mind that he was immune to being dominated at the hands of these beautiful women now that he was nearly 30, Marisol was quick to disavow him of that notion. It only took a dozen sharp swats for the pain was too intense for him to bear. He screamed out in agony, sounding like a little girl and surprising the women in the outer office with the loud, feminine sounds. Casey shoved the gag back in his mouth before he could alert anyone in the rest of the building. The sissy CEO was helpless. 
kicking his legs girlishly and ineffectually. Under the control of these invaders, his spanking continued until he was totally defeated. After a few moments passed, Casey was pretty sure that unless a security guard happened to stop by the outer office at exactly the wrong moment, nobody would hear one isolated scream. She removed the gag one more time and found Nathan much more cooperative. What what do you want me to do? Asked Nathan meekly. Nothing at all. Sit there and don't do anything. We'll do all the work, said Sherry. You just need to stay still and keep your mouth shut. Casey had her team pull off Natalie's shoes, socks, pants, and boxers. He struggled to keep himself from becoming aroused as his nemesis took a lady's electric shaver and used it to remove all of the hair from his legs, chest, arms, and even his intimate regions on and around his cock and butt. She left a tiny landing strip over his quivering little cock, then flicked it with her finger, making him yelp. Mandy went over to one of the huge bags that Marisol and Bianca had hauled in from their car. She pulled out a pack of sheer black thigh highs and had Nathan lift his legs so she could stretch each one over them. First the left, then the right. Next came a dainty black garter belt that she wrapped around his waist and attached to his stockings. Isn't it great? Now that we're older, there's so many cute and way more sexy things for you to wear, said Mandy. No more cheap drugstore pantyhose for you, said Casey. Well, if she's going to act like a little bitch, I figured we'd help her look the part, said Mandy. Now, be quiet while we finish dressing you, Natalie. Casey was next. She slid a pair of shiny black satin panties up his legs. They would have normally felt great against his skin, but even the whisper, soft touch of the sleek satin on his spanked tender ass made him jump and whimper. <laughs> Next came Bianca and the heavy boned corset she held out for all to see. Some corsets are fancy, wispy little things, more decoration than anything else. But this one was a serious instrument of torture, capable of completely transforming the shape of a person's body. It could even figure train someone's waist permanently, if used for those purposes. Bianca was strong enough to really tighten it, and her efforts reduced Nathan's waist by four whole inches to a svelte size six. I can't breathe, Nathan winced as she tightened the laces on his back again and again. Then take shallower breaths, she said. You'll get used to it. It's the price of beauty. <laughs> Casey held up a very short, baby-style dress in cotton candy pink. The dress had a fitted, smocked bodice and a ruffle detail. It looked way too small for him. But Nathan sadly realized that the corset had cruelly crushed his figure into a new, tiny shape 
that just might accommodate such a juvenile style. Nathan gasped as his tormentor handed the childish couture confection out toward him, clearly expecting him to take it and, to his horror, wear it. Do you like it? I saw it when I was shopping for my 11-year-old niece. It's too girly for her, but I knew you'd just love it. Nathan immediately understood that Casey's description understated the age regression that she had planned to subject him to. This was indeed the kind of dress only a tween would wear. No self-respecting secretary, or even a silly little office girl, would wear such an outfit in an office setting. Not even a teenage girl would wear such a childish dress. No female over the age of 10 would wear a dress like that. It looked like something only a complete bimbo would even consider wearing. But from her smile and decisive movements toward him, Nathan knew he'd have no choice but to model it in front of his entire staff. With a sadistic laugh, <laughs> Casey slipped the frock over Nathan's head and buttoned it up the back. It would never have fit him without the tight corseting. Nathan looked down at himself, and he saw that he'd been forced into a ditzy bimbo outfit. As if reading his mind, Casey said, We found this cute little thing in the Young Miss section at Nordstrom's, and we knew you just had to have it. The obviously juvenile dress was just sheer enough that a hint of the sexy lingerie beneath was visible. Nathan had worn styles this short in the past. He knew, to his dismay, that any sudden motion threatened to expose not just his stocking tops, but his panties as well. Worst of all, the marked contrast between the little girlish innocence of the dress and the slutty underwear created a jailbait-type look that he knew would make any man hard as a rock. Marisol forced him to step into a pair of little girlish Mary Jane shoes, a lot like those that had first set Nathan on the path to public feminization all those years ago. Only these had a four-inch heel, forcing him to take tiny, mincing steps to avoid falling on his face and exposing his panty-covered ass to everyone. Sherry pushed Nathan down into a chair while Casey held court from his big executive throne. A girl could get used to this, she smiled, motioning to the rest of her coven to begin their cosmetic witchcraft to finish their praise complete transformation into a sexy girl. They played up the bimbo theme, using bright pinks and mauve tones on his cheeks, lips, and eyes. They accented his lashes with mascara and artfully sketched out and around his lids with liner, crafting wings that made his eyes pop in an innocent ingenue look. Finally, they affixed a hot pink wig in a saucy, naughty style to his head. It was realistic in every way, except for the color, and this crowning touch made him look more like a schoolgirl of about 15 than any kind of man or even a boy. 
there was absolutely nothing male about him. And when Marisol triple pierced his ears, he barely flinched. Sherry held him just in case he tried to resist, but he made no effort to escape. Look at yourself now. No one could possibly mistake you for anything other than a wannabe vixen, Natalie, said Casey, gently clasping a dainty heart-shaped pink pendant around his neck and smiling at their masterpiece. Anyone looking at you will see you for what you are, a total bimbo whose every thought is about how to be pretty for the boys and what boys were noticing her. When they showed him his reflection in the full-length mirror, Nathan sunk to his knees. All of the women he'd bullied and abused were cheering, as the now feminized CEO looked from one of their faces to another. All he saw were smiles of triumph and satisfaction. Just when he thought nothing could be worse, Shayla stepped before him, her shapely legs nearly engulfing his head, and said, Miss Lacey, the emergency board meeting is about to begin. They're waiting for you in the boardroom. If he wasn't already kneeling, Nathan would have collapsed. His legs had become as numb as the rest of his body. His breathing quickened as he looked up at Sherry and Casey, who were motioning for him to accompany them out of the office. No, they can't see me like this. What will I tell them? I can't ever explain this. I'll never live it down. They'll replace me as CEO, he cried, panicking with an ever-accelerating and suddenly very girly-sounding babble. Oh, don't be such a silly girl, Natalie, said Casey, beaming. I'm going in with you. I'll explain the whole thing. Nathan always arrived early for board meetings. He knew that keeping on the board's good side was the key to success, and he also knew that his presence there helped to suppress any gossip from the early arrivals. Naturally, he was verging on a nervous breakdown when he minced through the door of the conference room with his hands tied behind his back, a gag stuffed into his mouth, and a pink leash attached to the pink rhinestone collar around his neck. On the other end of the leash was Casey, who proudly led her victim into the room to shocked gasps from the assembled board members. What is the meaning of this? demanded Scott Hammond, a portly 70-year-old who was the chairman of the board. He did not suffer fools lightly, nor did he beat around the bush. Hammond was an old-school male chauvinist and proud of it, a throwback to the pre-equality era. He valued macho manly attitudes as necessary for managerial leadership and corporate domination. He'd already considered Nathan a disappointment in those areas, but nothing prepared him for the utterly debased and emasculated figure simpering in front of him. The future is female, said Casey. Embrace it, gentlemen. What is that supposed to mean, demanded Hammond. Why is Nathan tied up and dressed like that? It's not Halloween, damn it. And even if it were, this is highly inappropriate. 
Don't get your panties in a bunch, said Casey, taking Nathan's customary chair and forcing him to kneel at her feet. I will explain what has happened. But first, I want you to know that she prefers the name Natalie. Do not refer to her as Nathan anymore. That is a dead name. This is preposterous, said Hammond. Let her speak. It's the fastest way we'll get answered, said Virginia Hale, who was only a minority shareholder, but also the only woman on the board. You've got two minutes, said Hammond. You should probably start with your name. My name is Casey, and I'm an old classmate of Natalie. As you can see, I took the liberty of making a few changes. I don't understand, said Miss Hale. Put simply, the future is female. I'm sure you understand that, explained Casey. I simply used some persuasive techniques to get her in line. You hogtied him, bellowed Hammond. Actually, I just tied her hands behind his back. She's not actually hogtied. Why did you do this? asked a blonde man who couldn't have been much over 40. Casey was later informed that his name was Lance McKittrick, and he was sort of the up-and-coming company whiz kid. I'm not done with her yet. I'm going to take her to our class reunion, bragged Casey. You can't take him like that. It's not just his reputation, but the company's as well, said Hammond. I'm sorry. I'm not an employee, so I really am not concerned with your company's image, replied Casey. I think I see what's happening here. What do you want, dear? asked Miss Hale. I'm going to bend her to my will. When I'm done with that, I want her job. That's absurd. You know nothing about our company or even about this business, protested Hammond. I know that the secretaries and the women who work in the office are the ones who are really running things. I know that I could have Natalie as my executive assistant just in case I need her seasoned yet delicate hand. Oof, protested Natalie into her gag. That does it, said Hammond, rising to his feet. You will release him at once, and then you will leave before I call security. Sit down, Scott, demanded Hale. What? he asked, his colleague looking more perplexed than ever. Even you admit that Nathan is not a very good leader. If this young woman could keep him in line and impose her leadership on the rest of the department, I think the change would do us good, said Hale. But this is kidnapping, boomed Hammond. It's business, said McKittrick. Sometimes we all need to cut a few corners. I'm backing this play. It's aggressive, and I like it. Thank you, said Casey. You won't regret this. You don't have the job yet, said Hale. We will be watching you carefully, though. If you can break him and have him follow your lead, then we will give you what you wish. I don't care what you do, but I don't want any complaints from him when this is over, said Hammond. Again, Natalie yelled into her gag, but this time everybody ignored her. I don't think that will be a problem, said Casey. <laughs> 
And so, it was that Natalie Lacey began preparing to return to her old high school for her 10th reunion. It was not at all according to plan. Mere weeks before, the now sweet, docile creature formerly known as Nathan had envisioned a triumphant, ego-tripping return. Instead, Casey had completely outsmarted and outmaneuvered her prey, exerting her dominance like never before. When the former CEO told then-secretary Shayla to RSVP, but then changed his mind, the devious assistant had chosen to ignore the updated directive. Instead, she'd sent the RSVP agreeing to attend, along with several unauthorized but very convincing and provocative lines, vowing to mock and humiliate the assembled alums. Reading these comments, the reunion host committee had no doubts that they were coming from Nathan, as he'd gained a well-earned reputation as a boastful, petty, and obnoxious person. Shayla hadn't been done setting up her abusive former boss. She'd slipped out of the office into the ladies' room and texted her cousin, who just happened to be Casey. This was no accident, actually. The two cousins had planned every step of this intricate scheme and checked in almost every day to make sure that all was going according to schedule. The younger cousin was all too happy to report that the trap they'd set was about to spring shut. From their years together at school, Casey knew exactly the type of woman Nathan drooled over. Strawberry blondes with big boobs. Besides, the family resemblance that would entice their hapless target, she armed her cousin with the same kind of clothes, hairstyle, and even the perfume she knew would attract him. The boast Shayla had sent in Nathan's name rang true because she'd eavesdropped on him enough to know his thought process. She'd overheard his plans to flaunt his status as a famous investor and CEO with a net worth of countless millions. He'd ranted alone in his office about his grand entrance at the reunion, driving up in a custom Lamborghini and looking forward to bragging about his plush penthouse. It was clear that he wanted to lord his lofty status over his classmates, and he explicitly rejoiced in the prospect of humiliating Casey and her friends. That had been his plan a few months earlier, but not anymore. Casey had developed a much more powerful plan, and her plan had obliterated his. It involved stealing his job, his home, and even his masculinity. Now, she had turned Nathan into Natalie, stripped the former CEO of all his status, and then reduced her to a mere plaything. In the weeks after, she exposed Nathan to his former company's board of directors as Natalie. Casey had been extremely busy. She immediately impressed the board with her leadership abilities, and they voted unanimously to confirm her as the new CEO. She then set out, wait, she then set about molding Natalie into the image she wanted. She knew it was especially demeaning for the former CEO to be talked down to as if she were a total airhead. 
So she informed the whole staff to treat her as such (laughs) and to make sure Natalie carried herself that way at all times. She made a note to discuss this with her cousin Shayla in minute detail at her first opportunity. First thing, Casey quickly demoted the former CEO to a mere office girl. For Natalie, that one change set off a massive chain reaction and total change in status, largely due to her own greed. For tax purposes, nearly everything she supposedly owned really belonged to the company. The penthouse, the car, even Nathan's business wardrobe of tailored suits and imported custom-made shoes. They were all assigned for the exclusive use of the CEO. And that now meant Casey's use, not Natalie's. After all, Casey was appointed to be the CEO. Natalie was just an office girl, and not only that, she was deemed the lowest of all the clerical workers. Soon, nearly every sign that there was ever a man named Nathan Lacey had been erased. Casey delighted in taking over Natalie's life completely. You won't be needing these male clothes anymore, she taunted. I'll personally pick out everything you'll wear from now on. Twisting the knife even further, Casey took to wearing the expensive Italian suits Nathan used to love. After altering them to fit her style and measurements, of course. She'd had an exclusive tailor alter all of the jackets to be nipped in at the waist. And she'd had them refashion all of the pants into smart feminine pencil skirts. How do I look? She asked the demoralized Natalie, striking a sassy pose. The new office girl looked longingly at the gray pinstripe suit that had once been her favorite pants back when she was still a man. Natalie wanted to rage, swear, and even lash out at Casey. But she knew better. That would lead to painful and humiliating punishment. Most likely, something like a bare-ass spanking on a busy street corner. So she bit back the tirade that she was dying to deliver and meekly responded, I, I love that suit. It looks perfect on you. You look beautiful as always, Miss Casey. So that was Feminized Reunion 2 by myself and Mindy Harris, as read by Raina Means Queen. And if it hasn't been obvious, there's been a little bit of a change in the relationship between myself and Raina. As after knowing me for, what, like two years? She finally started taking over and kind of doming me. Which she has had uh, Mistress DJ as a little helper in this thing. And uh, I feel extremely outclassed. I I don't think I I, I could handle one of them easily, let alone two. And um, Raina yesterday, um, she's been having me put together an outfit. She wants a summer photo shoot. And yesterday she she vetoed my uh, brawn panties as being not girly enough. Aye, aye, aye. Um, I'm not going to say I hate it, but I also... <laughs> this is something I was not expecting and not prepared for, and wow. So, anyway, 
I uh, hope you enjoyed uh, this week's podcast, and um, thank you for so much for all the support. I hadn't really paid too much attention to my clip store this month, and when I went to upload today's uh, story, I, I discovered we're doing pretty good. So thanks a lot. It's appreciative. Um, I'm kind of in a, a weird situation at work, so every penny counts. I really appreciate it. Anyway, I'll be back next week. I hope you are too. And don't forget, we are off in May, so there's only about four or so episodes left. Take care.